Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Two chapters on creation and 50 chapters on your inner world. What does that tell you? 50 is the number of also of Jubilee. The key to your freedom and your breakthrough is understanding how the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son transform your world. You want to experience Jubilee this year? Just a few people. Well, this is the key. And so many Christians, I've said this for years, you can have all of God and none of God. You can be born again. God can be in your spirit. You're going to heaven. You're a child of God. Yet, essentially, you're dysfunctional and broken in your soul. And because of that, if there's darkness in your soul... It will shut down God's ability to communicate with you and to transform your life. So I grew up in church where there was zero teaching. Maybe that's an exaggeration, maybe 1% on the soul. We didn't know anything about the soul. So we were taught man is a spirit. He has a soul. We don't know what to do with it. And he lives in the body. But the truth is man is a spirit. Man is a soul. It's our unique personality. It's what makes you you. God didn't have one of you, so he created you. And you were incredibly important. The, the spirit part of you is the part that directly communicates with God. But if your soul is not able to communicate with your spirit, interpret what the spirit is saying, then you effectively will find it very hard to hear God and be transformed. Can I give you an example before we start? And I use this example because everyone can relate to it. Money. If you have been taught that money is evil and God wants you poor and that he takes great pleasure in the poverty of his people, then, then, if that's... And, and, and the reality is that many Christians were brought up like that. So if that's, if that's the mindset that if you want to follow Jesus, you've got to sell everything and be poor, then if that's the default setting of your soul when the Holy Spirit speaks... Into your spirit, it's Mark chapter 4. The seeds are sown, but the birds of the air come and consume the seed before it gets into the soil of the soul. So the enemy comes and takes away through deception what God wanted for your breakthrough. Are you hearing this? So that's why you have to transform the soul. Read the Psalms over and over. He restores my soul. The psalmist offers up his soul to the Lord so he can be calibrated. That's why Paul, Paul speaks about the spirit of your mind. When the mind is recalibrated, it creates a runway for the spirit to come and land its plane. But if your mind's full of potholes, the plane can't land. And so our mind, that's what the word does. It renews our soul and gives it a language for the Spirit of God to communicate with. Are you hearing this? The, the whole concept of the tabernacle is incredibly spiritual, but incredibly practical. If you're going to function in the system of the kingdom, you're going to have to understand how God speaks to your spirit and then to your soul. And everything that I'm about to teach is what I've encountered with God, and it's incredibly practical. Are you hearing me? God wants you successful and prosperous and joyful and everything that you could imagine. He takes great pleasure in that. But the thing is, we are going to have to learn how to come through the tabernacle, which is a picture of the 
restored believer, spirit, soul, and body. So Psalm chapter 84, 10 says, It's better. One day in your court is better. That word better means more prosperous, happy, blessed than a thousand elsewhere. So I've told you this before. One hour of meditation is equal to 100 hours of toil. Where does it say that? Well, many places in the scripture. The power of the hundredfold return. So that tells me, how many people here, just so I want to make sure I'm speaking to the right people, how many people want to be incredibly successful? Then the key to success, this is two ways to find success. You can operate in the dark kingdom of this world, and that the kingdom is defined by greed, toil, and sweat. That's why Jesus said the sons of this world are more shrewd than the sons of the light of the kingdom. He was saying that the sons of this world, that people that operate in this world kingdom, they understand how it works through greed, manipulation, toil, and sweat. But the sons of the light, and light speaks of revelation, okay? The sons of the light of the kingdom, they have no idea how the kingdom functions. So we are sitting straddled between his kingdom and the world system trying to work out how to, how to get success. That's why the majority of the church is unsuccessful. Can you prove that, Andrew? Well, just here, again, we'll use money again. Look at the top 200 rich people in all of Australia. Not one of them gave glory to God this year. We say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, the Old Testament is a physical example of what takes place in the New Testament inside the heart of a believer. When the kingdom of God is within me, which is a New Testament reality, it's teaching us how to develop our inner world, we will see a manifestation of the kingdom in our physical world, which is the Old Testament. What Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did in the natural is what happens to you when you develop the kingdom of God within you. First is spiritual. In us, we develop the kingdom of God within us, and then there's a flow on. You want to change your outer world? You change your inner world. We have to learn, okay, Lord, if we're going to function in this system, how do you operate in me? I'm on a quest to understand how God, the kingdom, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, how do they operate inside me? I'm not satisfied with just being saved. Anybody else? And I appreciate that. I'm going to heaven. My name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yippee. I am excited, but I'm not satisfied with that. I want the promises of God. I want all of Canaan. I want all that Jesus died for. I want it for me. I want to change my world. That's why I'm here. So I'm hungry. God, teach me how to function at an optimum level. A hundredfold in Deuteronomy, a thousandfold. How does the church become the head and not the tail, above and not beneath? Bless when they go out and bless when they come in. Show me what it is that we're doing wrong because you set us up for success. What am I believing? What am I doing that's not right? Align me today, Lord, spirit, soul, and body, so I function as a supernatural man. This whole temple is fascinating. Because God gives us insight into what he's doing in our life. The Jews referred to the temple, the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies like this. Jesus is the way, or the way, the truth, and the life. As we come into the outer court, we're coming into the way, the work of Jesus. When we come into the holy place, we encounter the spirit of truth in our soul. As we come into the Holy of Holies, we encounter Father in all of his glory 
and something takes place in our spirit. There is a work of God in the tabernacle. So as you approach the tabernacle from the outside, you are traveling. I don't know what to leave in and what to leave out. It's an amazing scene, isn't it? So that, that linen, I wasn't going to say that, but that linen boundary is a picture of the righteousness of God. And for man to get into that place of communion with God, he can't go over. He's got to come through the door, which is at the front. It's too high for anyone to see over. It's nine feet high. So his righteousness is so far high. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so we come in through the only way, and Jesus is that way. That, that multicolored curtain at the front is a picture of Jesus. We have the colors of blue, red, scarlet, and purple, which represents Jesus who came from heaven as the king, who sheds his blood so we could be made righteous. So it's right there. Four pillars at the front stretching out the, the uh, colored linen gate. And those four pillars are a picture of the four gospels that reveal Jesus to mankind. And so we walk in that gate and we're about, that's it's a picture of us being born again. Isn't it amazing? And so we walk in that. There is only one way to Jesus, by the way, one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus. There's no other way. Jesus is the way. Yeah, there's no other back door. And you notice that that gate, that colored gate is nine feet high as well. Jesus measured up for you. He fulfilled all the law. So all the other linen parts is a picture of the law and God's standard, and Jesus measured up for you. You don't have to measure up. You don't have to get your life perfect because Jesus did it for you. You just have to reach out to him by faith. And he takes your sin and you get his divine nature. Isn't that a great deal? And a set of steak knives thrown in. So you notice as we walk through the next slide, it shows us that we walk through in a westly direction. The next slide. And it's really important because... The Bible teaches us that the direction of west is always prosperity and blessing and the direction of east is calamity and destruction. If we get our eyes committed to a journey of going forward with God, if you today will pursue God with all of your heart, if you will face to face go after him, I promise you this one thing, you shall prosper and be blessed in all that you do. When they were thrown out of the garden, which direction were they heading? West. Sorry, east. When the wise men came before G came to Jesus, they were traveling from the east, going west. Whenever we pursue God, it's a westly direction. And we are saying, God, we are not satisfied with just staying on the outer courts, but we are going to pursue you with all of our heart, with all of our soul and our strength. It's a pilgrimage towards the heart of God. And I want to say to you today, if you've stopped pursuing God, if you've got satisfied with just salvation, and I'm not belittling that, but if you're just out, out into the gate and you're sitting in the outer courts, thank you, Jesus, that I'm saved. Now let me get on with my own life. That is not God's plan. He wants you to go hard after his heart. He wants you to be passionate after him, not being satisfied with yesterday's manner or yesterday's revelation. I want more. And as I was praying today, that's the prayer of the heart of a believer. God, I long to come into your presence. I want to discover how to function and partner with you. That is the pursuit of my life. And I'll be never satisfied with anything less. Amen? Amen. You'll notice as you go into the courtyard that there are three levels of light or revelation. 
In the outer court, there is natural light from the sun. And a lot of believers function in that level. You talk to them about things of the Spirit and you see their eyes roll back in their head. You talk to them about hearing from God or angels or Holy Spirit saying you do that and they think, you know, who is this person? What manner of man are we speaking to? They are functioning solely at a human, natural point of view. They have a problem, they try and fix it with their own natural strength. They, they, they don't know the future, so they open up the, the horoscopes called the financial review and they read about all the plans of the stock market and what people think, but they never stop to think that Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. Call unto me and I'll answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't know. I'll show you 14 years ahead like Joseph. Everyone else is struggling to know what's happening today. The church should know years in advance of what God is about to do. Natural light. I don't want to be in the natural light. I want supernatural light. I want revelation. I can't function in this world. I need a a strategic advantage over everybody else. I need to be in front, not behind. The church has lost its relevance because it's no longer living out of the future. It's living in the past. So I'm on a quest to develop a secret place with the Lord where he reveals to me things to come, where he begins to speak and change me. Because you know what? When you get born again, there's a lot of junk that doesn't belong. And the reason, listen, the reason some of you can't hear from God, in fact, I'll back up. The reason all of us don't hear more from God than we ought is because there's so much gunk and darkness in our soul. So there's natural light, then we come to the holy place, and there is the light that is given from the lampstand. We begin to receive a greater form of revelation. Then we go even further and there's the glory of the Lord in the Holy of Holies. There's a progression of revelation as we pursue the things of God. Isn't that exciting? So as we walk through through the outer court, there's the, 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 um, the bronze altar. It's a picture of Jesus and his sacrifice. And we've talked about that. Then there's the altar of incense. It's a place where the priests would come and wash their hands and their feet. They'd already been cleansed. It was a daily washing. It was preparation to go into the holy place. And this is important because in the holy place, they are going to have an encounter with the spirit of truth. The holy place represents the soul of man. So when you, can we have the next slide? When you come to the holy place, there are, it's probably hard to see, but there is a curtain there with, with, um, with beams there, and those beams are now, they're wooden beams covered with gold and gold caps, but bronze base. And it's a picture that you've been redeemed, that you are now in Christ, that you're a righteous wooden, which is your nature, your, your human nature. It's now covered with the glory of God, that you've been put the robe of righteousness on you, but you have a base that's bronze. And that tells me this, that when you go into the holy place, You go in as a righteous, loved son and daughter of the Lord. Amen? There's no condemnation in the holy place. But there will be judgment. And judgment isn't, you know, God with a big stick. God is judging and showing you what is of him and what is deception, what is truth and what is a lie, what is false reality 
and illusions that you've embraced and who is truly you and who he truly is. So we're about to walk into that holy place. And that's why we wash our hands because, as we, before we go because we're saying, God, I'm going to prepare myself today to encounter truth. And see, the world doesn't like truth. But don't get me started on that. But if you're going to be truly transformed, you're going to embrace truth. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. He says that I am full of grace and truth. And so if we truly are going to be transformed, we are going to have to come to the place where we say, God, I know there's deception in me. I am really aware that there's areas of darkness, that I'm aware that I'm not aware. I'm aware that there's stuff going on that you need to transform. I need an encounter with the spirit of truth. And that's what the holy place is about. The reason you may be miserable today or lacking or not succeeding is because in some area, you've believed a lie. You mean it's my fault? You mean I've got to take responsibility? I'm just saying that there are areas where darkness comes in and we need to deal with it. We need the light to come in so we can be transformed. You all still with me? Jesus said, sanctify or make them whole in the truth. Your word is truth. John 17, 7. 3 John chapter 2. 3 John verse 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and they testified of the truth that is in you. How do you get a prosperous soul? You have an encounter with truth. Truth has to come in. What prospers me? See, if I'm going to have a prosperous world, I'm going to have to first have a prosperous soul. And the only way for that to happen is to encounter the truth of God. Are you hearing me? Come on, I'm preaching better than you're talking. Psalm 51, 6 says, You desire truth in the inward part. In the secret place, you make me to know wisdom. Psalm 139, 23 says, search me, O God, and know my soul. Try me or investigate or examine me and see if there's any anxiety. That word anxiety means divided opinion. The psalmist is saying, God, search the light on my soul. Show me where there's divided opinions, where I'm believing truth and a lie, where I've got one foot in the world system and one foot in the kingdom. Shine your light. I want to be free. I want to be full of your light. And wherever there's deception, root it out, Lord Jesus. So we, it's, we have to embrace transformation. It's not going to come out of heaven. It's not going to come by a lightning bolt. You have to intentionally go after transformation. And I love this because I keep telling you that the gift that you bring the world is not money. It's not anything but this. The gift that you bring the world is the gift of your true self. That's the gift. The way God made you to be. Not your false self. And the thing is, as you look around the world, most people are living out of a false identity. Stuff that the world's put on them, the enemies deceive them. So when you read the Bible, Jesus is constantly renaming people, opening their eyes to see the opinion of God over them and not the opinion of man, their parents. He's, see, the, see, even the church, the word church is ecclesia. It means to surname or to reveal 
the original mandate or the, the genesis of them. It's to reveal them their true surname. That's what Ecclesia means. Our job as the church is to call out people's true identity. That's a prophetic church. It says, you know what? You may have been brought up with bad parents or this or that, but your father in heaven is your true father. He's the father of all, of all families, and he has a plan and purpose. He has designed you. Get out of that false identity. Embrace the truth about how God sees you. Yeah. This is what's happening in the holy place. It's staggering. See, I, when I was born, I thought lots of things about me that were wrong. But the more time I spend with Jesus in the secret place, the more I'm discovering how amazing I truly am. And you would find the same thing about you. Psalmist says, I can't even count the thoughts that you have about me. It's staggering. It left him awestruck how great he was. And this will be the tragedy for some people. You'll get to heaven and you'll see yourself as you truly are. And you'll think, what was I thinking on earth? Remember I told you a few weeks ago that your false self can't go to heaven. In fact, I'll get the actual phrase that I used. I said, what God doesn't know doesn't exist. Think about that. If there's anything about you that's false, it doesn't exist in the mind of God. It's a lie. It's not true. And so when you go to heaven, the Bible says... Everything about you will be burnt and tested by fire. And what is of God and true and real will remain and everything else will be burnt off. So I'm saying, God, what are you thinking when you think about me? Show me the truth, not just about myself, but about you. And as we go into the holy place, it's an encounter with truth. The Bible says that you are hidden with Christ. That's the secret place. So your identity can only come from him, not from anyone else. It only See, you will never know who you are until you get into the secret place. And the Father whispers in your ears who you truly are. See, at the moment, you, if you haven't done that, you are defined by everything but God. Man's opinion, school teachers, wife, husband. Oh, you can rattle them all up and they all get brought into a whole mix and it, it creates an identity. But I'm saying to you, it's false. It's not true. And that's why you're miserable. Why? Because there's no anointing on a false self. You feel like you're living a lie. And you know what the problem is? It's not that God doesn't love you. It's not that, that you're not going to heaven. It's that you're out of alignment. So have you ever been... See, I, I had a, a bad fall when I was young. I hit my head. But ever since that day, if I was to take my shirt off, which would be like blinded by the light, but you would see that my body's got some unusual patterns. It actually comes, my back actually comes a bit like that in one profile, but the other profile, it goes like that. It's out of alignment. So there were days where if I had aggravate my back, you could actually see me walking a bit like that. So you'd see my spine like that doesn't make for a great life. But see, worse still when we're spiritually out of alignment. Our soul's out of alignment. Everything's out of alignment. And it feels like something's not right. You need an encounter with truth. The heavenly chiropractor called our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they'll bring you into the secret place and they'll bring you into align you with what they see. 
And when that happens, you'll be a giver and not a taker. You'll be able to freely give because you're giving out of authenticity, not out of brokenness. You can hear brokenness a mile away. It talks too much and it takes too much. As you come into the, the, the tabernacle, the gate is 20 cubits wide, 5 cubits high. When you come to the holy place, it's 10 cubits wide and 10 cubits high. The same Jesus, 100 square meters or cubic meters. Same, same, same area, but different dimensions. Narrower and higher. What is that telling me? You've got to pursue this now. Let me say it's easier to get saved than it is to get transformed. Not for Jesus, for you. But the gate is higher than the entryway. Five cubics high, ten cubics high in the holy place. That's telling me that I'm about to enter into a place that's more restrictive and creates needs more of a push but creates a far higher dimension of the kingdom. Some people are satisfied with five cubics. Now I'm about to enter ten cubics. I'm about to enter a dimension of God that you've got to press into. Luke 15, the parable. The father, sorry, the son. How many sheep? In total, a hundred. Then the lost coin. How many coins? The lost son. How many sons? Well, one's lost, but two sons. It's a picture of this. Jesus, the Spirit, and the Father that we're pressing in. A hundred, ten, two. There's a, a tightening, a narrowing. The, the son's work, he does all the work. He puts the sheep on his shoulder, the work of salvation. The work of the Spirit, the lost coin, he's searching through a house our secret place, looking for the coin, about to reveal treasure. Then the father who's looking for the son, because that's about inheritance. It's about ruling together. And you see, the more we press in, even though it's narrow, it opens up to a greater dimension. Are you seeing this? And so there's a screen for the door, and we walk in. And it's narrow, but it's a greater dimension. Now, what's interesting about this holy place is the floor is made of dirt. Why is that amazing? Well, everything else about the holy place is gold and linen and amazing, but the floor is made of dirt. And as they looked up, as they walked into the holy place, there was a dirt floor, but as they looked into the roof, there was a linen curtain made of linen and blue and scarlet and what other colour have I missed? Purple running through with cherubims embroidered in there. So it was like they were walking into a place where they were encountering heaven, the supernatural realm that's in your soul. See, this is all a picture of your soul. There is a heavenly aspect and there's an earthly aspect. The cherubims are really interesting because they're not only in the holy place, so, but they're in the holy of holies. They're a picture of the guarding of the heart of God, the very throne of God. Lucifer was a cherub, wasn't he? He was a covering angel. And he got really upset because he found out that the father had a plan to put someone between the wings and his heart called you. He who dwells in the secret place will dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. The cherubs created the wings that created a shadow 
and you live between the wing and the heart of God. That's why he was upset. Because there was someone created that would be closer to Father than him. So when they walk into this holy place, they are being reminded that they're on a journey right into the center of God's heart. No one else in creation has been given the invitation to come not just see the throne, but to come under the cherubs and live in the very heart of God. And they're seeing this as they walk in. It's an invitation. Dirt floor, heavenly roof. Do you know Solomon's temple didn't have a dirt floor. It had a gold floor. In heaven, all the streets are made of gold. It's telling us that there will come a time where there will be no more contact with the old realm, with sin, with the earth. That everything around us will be gold glory. It's heaven. It's, there's no friction. There's no, there's no struggling or contention. But this tabernacle is a picture of your life right now. There's a dirt floor and there's a heavenly roof. We're positioned here on earth, aren't we? Is everyone on earth? Yeah. Dirt floor, but a heavenly roof. But the Bible says that you also right now are seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm here, yet I'm there. So that tells me that when I walk into the secret place, that even though I'm aware of my brokenness and my issues, there is another me. Now you take of this what you will. There is another version of you placed in heaven. Paul says that you rose with Christ, you ascended with Christ, and now you rule and reign with Christ. So that tells me that I'm both here Yet I'm there. See, God didn't create a broken me. He created a whole me, didn't he? Yeah. So you think when God created me in his mind, he came up with his broken person full of rejection and issues? And No, he created a whole me. So, so when they came into this secret place, they began to see, yes, this is what I am now, but they began to see a picture of who they truly were. And that's why Paul says that we are to put off the old man, and to put on the new. So when I walk into the secret place, I'm saying, Father, show me what I look like now in heaven. Because the earthly tabernacle is a picture of the heavenly tabernacle. See that you are careful to make all of this according to the pattern which you saw in heaven. So I'm saying that even though you exist in the natural now, there is a greater reality of you in heaven. And so you look at that reality as you look at the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and you say, Lord Jesus, I want to be conformed into the fullness of what you created me to be. Is this making sense? We're so attached to our brokenness and wrong identities. We know that so well, but how about we spend the time in the secret place to say, Father, what do you see when you look at me? You go, well, you're very obsessed with yourself. Sounds like a lot of stuff about you and not about God. My friend, one of the greatest things you can do in worship to God is to be what he created you to be. And there's no knowing of God without knowing of myself. And there's no knowing of myself without knowing of God. The two are interchangeable. They, they, are, they, they can't work without the other. And the more I truly know myself as God made me to be, the more I will know God and vice versa. 
The more I discover who I am, the more I love Jesus and honor him and worship him. Are you seeing this? Because all you get is a false religion that says, I love Jesus, but there's no transformation here. The proof of your love for God will be the transformation of your soul. See, this whole passage is built around the church and the revelation about true identity. And they said, some say you are Elijah. And you're Jeremiah, you're one of the prophets. In other words, nobody knew who Jesus was. He came to his own and they didn't recognize him. So that tells me you can't discover yourself without a revelation from God. And if you're happy living with an illusion, that's your call. But you'll never find alignment and purpose and fulfillment and abundance of life. Wouldn't you like to be introduced to the real you? Funny to think, isn't it? Some say you're Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he says, okay, but who do you say I am? And Peter got this revelation from the Father. You are Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, bingo. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, this doesn't come in the outer court or outside, but my Father who is in heaven. And on this revelation that you've just had about who I am, I'll build my church. He says, and you know what? You've seen who I am, but you are not, no longer Simon bar Jonah or son of Jonah. You're not going to be defined. So you've discovered who I am, and now you're going to discover who you are. Yeah. The more you discover of yourself, the more you discover of me. Flesh and blood didn't reveal it, but my Father in heaven. And on this rock, I will build my church. I told you what the name church means. Your greatest assignment is to unveil your true identity and your neighbor's true identity. Truth is the greatest gift you can give to this world, covered in love. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Hell means, Hades means, to not see, to trap mankind in an inferior opinion of themselves. See, that's what hell is. It's a spirit of darkness. All the stuff that you see going on in this world, it's because people are trapped in darkness and in false identities. They scream out, this is who I am. But I say only the Father has the right to name who you are. And if you've not been in the secret place, you have no right to name yourself. That's his right. He's your creator. So why don't you ask him, when you created me, what did you have in mind? What right does the clay have to say to the potter, you've made a mistake. I should be spinning that way. It should be up here, not there. It's the potter who designed the clay for his purpose. And the gates of hell should not prevail. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And what are the keys of the kingdom? Whatever you bind on earth, remember, dirt floor, heavenly roof, whatever you bind on earth is that. Here's the tense now. Because in your Bibles, many of them, it's a wrong tense. Whatever you bind on earth is that which has already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is that which has already been loosed in heaven. So in other words, when I begin to look at who I am, I have the authority to say, okay, I now know who, in, who I am. I bind everything that has come into my soul, every work of darkness that has no right to be there. 
I take authority. That word bind is to say to pronounce the, that is unlawful. And the moment you get born again, your body, your spirit, soul, and body is the dwelling place of the Holy Ghost. So you have the right to speak into your soul and say, I have seen who I truly am. And every work of darkness that does not belong there, I bind in Jesus' name. I take authority over you and I command every, 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 every power of my will, every thought pattern, Every emotional dysfunction that does not belong there. We're going to talk about the emotions next week. And on the altar of incense, it was the only piece of furniture that had perfect dimensions. It was squared. So it talks about the balanced emotional life, strength of emotions. So I take authority over all those realms and I loose the reality of who I am into my soul. That's the keys of the kingdom. Are you hearing me? It unlocks your identity. We want to bind and loose every demon in our street. The greatest binding and loosing is within your own life. If you become who he created you to be, your street will take care of itself. There's a pattern when you come into the holy place. And the writers seem to insinuate that it was the table of showbread, the golden lampstand, and then the altar of incense. Your will, your mind, your emotions. When these all came into alignment, get this. The Hebrews, the Hebrew uh, tradition states, I can't prove that it's true, but you can read the writers. They said that when all this came into alignment, the priest would stand there and he would get transported into the Holy of Holies. Because there's no door. There's no way into the Holy of Holies. There's just a curtain. You can't get in. There's no doorway. It's a supernatural transformation. There's an alignment that takes place in your soul. Now, we know because of the blood of Jesus, he's made a way open for everyone to go into the Holy of Holies, hasn't he? He's made that way through his blood. Absolutely. But, and is a better word, you have to align yourself, spirit, soul, and body, to engage in that deep place. He's made the way open. It's not a one-off journey once a year. It's a daily event. We are invited to come into his secret place. And when we align ourselves, we invite him to possess our spirit, soul, and body. And I do that, try to do that each day, invite him into my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. And then it enables us to be transported into that place that no man can go unless he's transported. Will, mind, emotions. You can't trust your emotions or your mind until you first surrender your will. Do you know, sometimes when I preach, and obviously not today, but sometimes when I preach, I can feel the will of people resisting the word. And my goal is not to move your emotions, it's to move your will. I don't want you going out today just saying, oh, that felt so nice. Oh, wasn't that beautiful? I want you to go out thinking, I have decided that I am going to pursue this secret place. And it's the same when it comes to any area of our life. If you don't give your will, nothing will work. See, that's why people read the Bible and they come up with any old notion. 
You won't encounter the truth until you surrender your will. Until Jesus is not just Savior, but Lord of your life that says, you know what, whatever you say in the Bible, I believe. Regardless of what I see, feel, touch, or taste, I believe in you. I give you my will. I make you Lord of every part of my life. But when you resist and say, well, you can have that, but you can't have that, you won't encounter truth. Really. You give him your will. You give him your will. And once you give him your will, truth comes. Revelation comes. And because of that, when we give him our will, the truth will set us free. And I just felt an agitation. I hope that's the right word, but there are so many, let me say it again, there are believers that go into the lampstand and they encounter God in his word as they, because he's wanting to speak to our soul. Remember I said that, Paul says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He wants to speak to your soul. And for that to take place, as we read the word with no agenda, hearts of faith, surrendered will, he recalibrates the way we think so he can drop in revelation. And I felt God has been saying to me over and over, Andrew, people need a faith grid for me to speak to them. So we come in, we see ourselves, and then... See, there is a, in discovering who we are, there's a mix that takes place. There's the surrendering of our will. There's Holy Spirit encounters as we look into heaven. But there's also encounters with the word where he begins to calibrate our soul. I feel the grieving of the spirit because so many in the church have put their Bibles down and not begun to discover who truly God wants to be to them. And so they've embraced, again, I'll go to money. They've embraced poverty as a lifestyle and shut out the voice of God. There's no faith grid anymore because he's shut them out. He's shut, shut him out. And as we come into the holy place, we see the fire of the Spirit burning on the candles, illuminating, bringing revelation and understanding. It begins to change the way that we think. And I want to say to you today, if you're truly going to discover who you are, you're going to discover this. You are incredibly influential and successful. God's never made a loser. He's never made anyone broke. He's never made anyone that's not influential. He says, you are the soul of the world. You're a light on the hill that can't be, it can't be hid. You are my representation. You're my ambassador. I've equipped you and empowered you. So we begin to read the word and let it change the way that we think. The Bible says that you've got the mind of Christ and that tells me I am capable of thinking at the level of God. The Bible says, and I'm just going to throw a couple of things out, that as we pursue, see, as we pursue from the outer court to the holy place to the holy of holies, we are, do you know what's happening? We are returning to the garden. Are you hearing me? Because the garden is westward. And the further we go for, and in the garden there were four rivers. Remember I talked about the four rivers? The first river encircles gold, its provision. The second river that flowed out of Eden was a river of breakthrough. That's the meaning of the name. The third river that went out was the river that Daniel sat by and got revelation and insight. It's a river of discovery, of insight into the future. The last river is the river of fruitfulness. 
And so as we begin to go back to that secret place and wait upon him and let him speak to us, rivers are going to start coming out of our life. The kingdom's going to flow. As we meditate on the word, something's going to change in the way that we think. Embrace the light in the holy place. The church has been saved, but it's broke. It's been saved, but it's sick. It's been saved, but it's depressed. It's been saved, but it's condemned. It's been saved, but it's guilt-ridden. It's been saved, yet it's been defeated. It's been saved, but it's been harassed by fear. It's been saved, but it still depends on a Babylonian system. It's been saved, but it has not yet regained all that's lost. And let me tell you something about this golden lampstand. In the holy place, there are no record of any of its dimensions. And that tells me this, that God knows no boundaries and he has no limits in what he can do if you will surrender your mind to him. So I say, Lord, restore my soul. Your words make wise the simple. I want you to so restore the way I think, not according to tradition, but what you truly see. And when that happens, I'm going to get a grid that there will be an unending flow of revelation that will come to me. Joseph, 14 years in advance. Imagine what could happen if you could hear 14 years in the future. But you've got to stop thinking about the widow's might and the pensioner with not much to give, sitting in the corner waiting to die. Stop that in Jesus' name or go to heaven now. You know, why would you bother? Don't just take up space. You are created to rule and reign with him. So I'm not here to belt you. I'm here to encourage you. Rise up because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Either you believe it or you don't. Either you stay out in the outer court with natural reasoning in the Babylonian world saying, this is my lot in life, or you come into the secret place and say, like Daniel, Father, show me things to come. What is your plan for the nations? God, you know what? This is the truth. God's just looking for anybody who would believe that he's interested in our nation, in our future. And if you would just go and hang out with him and say, here I am, there's not much, you know, it's me, it's me, I'm here, Lord. So speak to me. What is it you want to do? Show me things to come. And he will say, finally, somebody believes that I want to speak and use people. I am the God of greater works. And so you pursue him, renew my mind, recalibrate my mind. So here I am. So this is what I do, church, as I close each day. I use the tabernacle, not, not religiously, but I use it as a model for encountering God. I come in and I worship him and I praise him and I thank him for his goodness. And I love him because the fuel of the altar of incense comes from the first altar, of the brazen altar, from the sacrifice of Jesus. So I'm, uh, it, it motivates all that we do. We love him. Thank you for all you've done. I worship him. We enter his gates Thanksgiving. You may just want to close your eyes and visualize yourself walking through the temple as I do this. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave your body for me. Thank you that you measured up for me. As I walk into the holy into the courts, I'm reminded of how accepted I am, how secure I am. I'm in, and you and you and you've embraced me. You sent your son for me. Thank you so much. Come past the brazen. 
altar and I look at the come into the um, into the holy place, and I'm reminded that Lord, that I need truth in the inward man, into my soul, into my mind, the way I think, into my will, how I choose. Lord, you know there are areas of my will that I haven't surrendered. And so, Lord, I need your will to become my will. Not my will, but your will. I give you my will. Consume it, fill it, so I can say I delight to do your will. I give you my mind. Let your word so renew the way that I think. Give me a passion for your word. As I open it up, you will begin to recalibrate the way I see myself, the way I see you. And I come to the place where I give you my emotions and, and with passionate desire I worship you and I praise you and as I bring my soul into unity into alignment I'm ushered into the very heart of God and he begins to speak to me and he loves me, he holds me in his heart and he tells me how much I mean to him and he reassures me that he's with me and that he designed me for this one thing to be intimate with him then he begins to speak to my through my spirit into my soul he tells me his plans for my life tells me what he sees when he looks at me tells me my calling and my assignment speaks to me about other people and how i can help them and i begin to engage the father spirit soul and body i ask him to come into my body consume every cell of my physical body my organs, my blood, every part of me, I say, Lord, possess me. Other people are possessed with all sorts of things, but I want to be possessed by you. Father, Son, and Spirit, possess me. My body is the dwelling place of Spirit. I invite you into my soul and into my spirit. Consume me. And as we do that, we begin to be transformed from glory to glory. That word glory, one of the words is opinion. From one revelation of his opinion to another we're coming to the weightiness of the fullness of his opinions about himself and us so we say lord you are welcome into this tabernacle you are welcome once you welcome him today into all of you into your spirit your soul your body he delights to do that he will come in he wants to be intentionally spiritual and practical at the same time he wants to help you. He is your greatest ally, resource, strength. And you don't have to make this complicated. You just invite him in. The same way you got born again, you say, Jesus, Father, Spirit, come. Come. Come and teach me. The secret place. He says, in the secret place, we will find the treasures that are hidden in darkness. We'll see things that others can't see. We will become the answer and not the question. So we invite you in. You know, today, if you've never invited Jesus into your heart, you first need to walk into the tabernacle. You need to say, Jesus, I don't want to live this way any longer without you being in my life. And you can invite him in right now. Ask him to come and to forgive you of all your sin, all your independent living, and ask him to come. And live in you. And if you do that, see, it's voice activated. As we speak and we ask him, he comes in. Our mouth is connected to our spirit. We invite you in. 
So you can do that today. Invite him in. And if you've done that for the first time, tell somebody. Ask someone to pray with you and stand by you. In Jesus' name. So Lord, I pray right now. Possess people. Possess people. Transform them. Lord, open up your world to them. And Father, where there's been darkness in their soul, let the healing power of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit transform them.